What's up, guys? Sports are finally back, and if you want to support your favorite team and support this podcast, head over to Fanatics for some dope sports gear. They have a ton of deals and amazing merch, including jerseys, hats, and all things sports-related. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, and not only will you get some great gear to support your favorite team, but you'll also be supporting our show and allowing us to continue to bring you guys great content. So head over to Fanatics.com with the link below to get all your favorite gear today. You're listening to the Up and Under Podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up guys? Welcome into the Up and Under Podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Joining with me, as always, it's Zeeshan. Yo. Alright man, the NBA season, the 2019-2020 season, a very interesting season, is officially over. We have officially crowned an NBA champion. This is officially the longest season of all time. Yeah, officially the longest season of all time. Uh, but first of all, from the, from the jump, we got to start off by saying congratulations to your 2020 NBA champions, the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, For sure. LeBron won his fourth ring. Uh, so basically, Fourth finals MVP. And fourth finals MVP. But basically this episode, we're going to completely break down the NBA finals, which is hence why we're putting this episode out a little later than usual. We wanted to do it earlier, but then again, you know, the Lakers just couldn't close the deal on, in Game 5. So... Yeah, I messed up the timings a bit. But, um, yeah, we got it out now. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to also start off by saying uh, I was right again. Uh, I called Lakers in 6, and I feel really good about that. I mean, I said Lakers in 5, but I also did say I'll give Miami maybe one more just because of how good they are. So, I mean, I'm kind of flopping a bit, but... I mean, technically, I'm still right. Hey, man, I was right about Miami in six. That was, I'm not going to lie, that was mainly me being bitter and salty that the Raptors lost. But either way, I was right about that one, and I was right about this one. Just off the jump. jump. So who needs Vegas when you got me? I think quickly, before we start our finals breakdown, too, I think the main, the first thing we got to do is give a huge shout-out to um, the NBA, Adam Silver, Absolutely. Mark Tambo, everyone, everyone who worked on that uh, project, um, zero positive tests. Yeah, zero in three positive. Months. Also, shout out to the NHL too. They did the exact same thing. Um, yeah. Zero uh, positive tests as well. Um, and like you're seeing, you're seeing how hard it is to be able to pull this off with the thousands of people that are involved. I mean, like Mickey Mickey Arison, the uh, the uh, owner of the Miami Heat, said it best. He was said it that it wasn't about the fact that you know we had testing and things of that nature. It was about the fact that it was the protocols. The distancing, the masks, the the men, like just the amount of rules and precautions w- that were put in place really helped lead to this result. And the NBA didn't make any exceptions for nope, they asked ask Daniel, Daniel House. Daniel House. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, even ask some of the guys who were like, you know, even you know, like Lemon Pepper Lou and yeah, exactly. Freaking, like bro. you know, the NBA really you know cracked down and really. They were committed to making sure it worked. And I think you're seeing how well they did it compared to what's going on in baseball or soccer. Well, baseball's cleaned it up. Yeah, but in the beginning, baseball was also like... Football's a little interesting. The the issue, obviously, with football is just there's so many more people. Exactly. So So it's hard to do a bubble. a bit harder to do that. Which, I mean, they did say they're going to do playoffs in a bubble, most likely. Yeah. um, And then move to Tampa for the Super Bowl. Uh but, yeah, like, you're seeing how hard it's been. Even the MLS tried to do a bubble thing, too. And even that, it didn't work as efficiently as it did 
um, for the NBA and the NHL. So, yeah, like, first of all, big shout out to Absolutely. Um, everyone in the NBA who worked on it, everyone who gave the ideas. I think um, they even said, I think it was like Chris Paul, yeah. Dwight Powell, and like some other the people. The Players Association were yeah, big in this. That uh, were the ones that actually suggested the idea of the bubble, too. Um, there's like three people they specifically mentioned Dwight Powell somebody and somebody else I only remember Dwight Powell because he's Canadian I mean either way just a shout out to Adam Silver and the NBA for producing this for that commitment to safety and uh, we have we've we've, we're able to get through all like crown an NBA champion and not only get through it but have some of the most entertaining basketball I think we've seen in a long time like the bubble had it ups and ups and downs but I think a great positive is that no travel meant Players were just more rested. More you, locked in. More locked in. No crowd meant that, like, again, we've we, we we've been over this, obviously, like, discussing the bubble for the last month, couple months. But, yeah, uh, yeah, shout out to the NBA and Adam Silver. But now we're going to jump into our finals breakdown. Uh, we're obviously going to just, you know, bring up things that we noticed, things that, you know, we feel are notable that, you know, we want to share with you guys. And Again, we did talk about... A lot of our thoughts about the series in our finals preview. Yeah. So if anything, if you want to check out our finals preview compared to what actually happened, check out our last episode. Uh, but yeah, from for for this episode, we're pretty much going to be taking a, a, a hindsight approach, I guess. Yeah. Uh, to see our thoughts of what actually happened. Yeah. I mean, uh, off the jump, man, the first you know thing that we noticed from this finals is that. It was the dominance of LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like, there's a reason. Like, you could argue Miami had the better team, like the better team of players. Like, they, if we're talking the top ten players in the series, Miami had like the third, fourth, fifth, and maybe sixth best players in the series. Well, a lot of people have talked about it. The Lakers aren't necessarily a great team, but they just have two of the best players but, in the league. I was gonna get to that. I mean, the fact that like you have two of the best players in the series. Well, the two best. The, yeah, the two best players in the series means that, you know, you can make up for that deficit. You can literally, you can, especially one of those players is LeBron James, who absolutely dominated this finals, led the Lakers in points, rebounds, assists, uh, and probably some other categories that I don't remember anymore. Um, but yeah, and even Anthony Davis uh, just really showcased himself as why he's one of the most talented bigs uh, ever. You know, I just want to say. Um... I just want to give a quick shout to all those people who said that the Lakers messed up by trading uh, Lonzo Ball no. and Brandon Ingram <laughs> and Josh Hart uh, for Anthony Davis. Uh, <laughs> that the Lakers took an L. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the case. No, not anymore. I mean, like, uh, they, they, look at the end of the day, Anthony Davis is better than all those guys. And you pair Anthony Davis with LeBron James, it's we've seen it. It was game over from the moment it happened. Again, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo, good players. Um, they're not but Anthony they're Davis. not they're not generational talents. They're not Anthony right? Davis. Yeah, they're not Anthony Davis. Like, exactly. There's just things that this guy can do that nobody else can. I think you another know? point that I want to make um, about the series in general was that uh, the Achilles' heel of Miami and the thing that they messed up on, I think, was forcing LA to shoot threes. Now, again, theoretically, it was a good option considering you don't really have much of a choice would you rather limit the interior with lebron james and anthony davis yes obviously that's your number one option right and also the fact that the lakers are one of the worst shooting teams well i think the other reason why that even they even went for that is because miami is a heavy zone team 
Exactly. So, yeah, that's true. again, and like, we talked about this in our preview, where Miami's gonna run all the a lot of zone because they need to cover up the defensive liabilities of like a Duncan Robinson, a Tyler Hero, a Goran Dragic, and that forced them in, that backed them into corners, you know. And again, like you brought up, like that's why LeBron, like this is why when people were like, oh, LeBron needs playmakers around him. We were like, no, that's not how you build a team around LeBron. You build a team around, you surround LeBron with shooters so that he can dominate the interior because then teams have to pick their poison. It's either you let LeBron get to the paint, which you know is an automatic finish or an end one or or a foul, or it's a kick out for a three. Well, I mean, the Lakers aren't even exactly shooters, right? Um, their their team isn't even necessarily like full of shooters per se. Uh, but again, going back to my point about how I think in hindsight we can say that Miami messed up. Um, theoretically, this should have worked out in Miami's favor because LA again was one of the worst shooting teams in the boat, um, and even throughout the whole season. A problem is somehow in the playoffs, LA shot like three percent better from three. And that's pretty much what happened. Even if you remember the other series, um, for example, against like Denver and everything, like LA was not shooting. I mean, LA was shooting much better throughout the whole playoffs than they did in the regular season, especially in the bubble where um, we talked about this before the playoffs, that LA was such a bad shooting team. Um, But somehow, again, just like, I guess, following the lead of LeBron, how he just flips, flips the switch in the playoffs, Again, as Toronto fans, we can attest to that too, where Jared Smith shoots like 25% the whole season and then hits like seven threes against us. Um, it's ridiculous, man. So, like, yeah, I again, a lot of people are saying, oh, Miami should have made a lay shoot a lot of threes and whatnot. But again, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? It um, also didn't help the fact that, like, they did lose Bam for a couple games. Drogic got hurt, the, you know. And I know people, like, people are going to make excuses saying that, oh, you know, Miami didn't have Bam for these games. Miami didn't have Drogic. It's 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 the NBA Finals. It's playoffs. It's injuries. It happens. You know, like, th- these are the same people that are saying, oh, well, you know, the, the Warriors would have won last year with Kevin Durant. Like, maybe, but he got hurt. Not any- You can only control what you can control. Exactly. Right? You can't penalize LA for what yeah, they can't control. Exactly. So, yeah, so, it's, it's, that's a basis. Argument. Yeah. Uh, the next, obviously, the next thing we noticed, uh, we really liked actually from this final series was Frank Vogel and him making the right decision to start Alex Caruso in game six. Now, obviously, game five, there was Dwight Howard was starting. And after game five, we talked about this too, me and yeah. you. Um, it, it was just a bad choice, I think, for Dwight Howard to start. Yeah, like, it, Dwight just was making a lot of, like, questionable decisions. And well, it wasn't even that he was making questionable decisions. It's that he was getting played off the floor, right? Yeah. Miami was attacking him in their pick and rolls with Bam Adebayo every single time, Exactly. Right? And, th- and we mentioned that with Bam, like, how he's, again, like, he might be undersized, but he's a lot more athletic and quicker than, you know, Dwight or JaVale McGee. Well, you it's know? the fact that he can you can run your offense to him. Yeah. Especially when you have guys like Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson uh, coming off the handoffs. That made it very hard for Dwight to be able to defend those actions, right? Again, Dwight's value in last series and against Denver was high. But again, it goes down to matchups in individual series. And uh, Frank Vogel finally, I think, made the right decision putting in a guy like Caruso. Um, you know, energy, defensive mindset. 
um, plays well alongside LeBron and led to them having an amazing defensive game from the get-go. Well, I mean, yeah, they blew him out. Them. They blew yeah. him out. But let's be real. Game five of the Jimmy Butler game, I mean, the guy the guy played 47 minutes. He he put it, put it all out there. So I'm I like, think it was just a LeBron versus Jimmy game. It was. It, it, LeBron J- had a 40-point triple-double. We'll talk about Jimmy Butler. I mean, like, again, this guy needs his own, his whole own st- topic. Uh, but, yeah, I know. That was a good I decision. Think, Quickly right. before moving on to, I think Frank Vogel, in a general sense, also uh, really upped his value in the, in these playoffs. Considering the fact that we had we had our questions about him, but you can't deny the amazing adjustments he made throughout each individual series, right? It helps to have a guy like LeBron and Rondo, obviously, right? And mm-hmm. obviously guys like Jason Kidd, Phil Handy, Lionel Hollins. Phil Handy, the three-time champ. Yeah, right? bro, for Wait, sure. Wait, has he three-peated? No, no, no. It's not three P. He won in 16 with Cleveland okay, yeah, yeah, okay, there we go. last year with the Raptors, this year with LA. Him and right? Danny Green, man. Back-to-back yeah. champs. Um, There's rumors he might go to Brooklyn now. <laughs> yeah, that would be... Yeah, but they're not going to win. But yeah, again, Lionel Hollins, who wasn't in the bubble, but still contributed from you know his house. Um, again, he had a very talented coaching staff, but again, it comes down to the head coach. Um, and Frank Vogel, I think, made a lot of key adjustments throughout each series and I I would definitely say that he's definitely improved his value a lot. I will say I will agree he has improved his value. Now am I hundred percent sold on Frank Vogel as a coach? Not yet. I just feel like uh you know, the fact that you have Rondo, you have uh, LeBron, it really I mean it hides a lot of deficiencies as because those players are great and they're they're intelligent minds. So I'm not. I'm still not 100 sold, but I am better. Like I feel better about Frank Vogel than I did when he was first hired, or his tenure with Orlando and stuff. Like you know, that really put a bad listen. Taste at in the my mouth. very least, I think Frank Vogel um, outperformed my expectations. No, he definitely did. Uh, speaking of players who have who you know outperformed expectations, KCP reestablished himself. Like he established himself as as, as LA's third option. In the playoffs, like everyone expected that role to be for Kyle Kuzma, but we know Kuzma's a bucket, so this guy's not gonna. <laughs> this guy's, uh, um, yeah, he he wasn't. He's not. He's not a third option. But KCP, he stepped up like, after a terrible start to the regular season. Really, like, yeah, I think playoffs. that's one of the things we'll talk about later too. But um, KCP, he really did establish himself as the third best player. Um, for LA in these playoffs again not really a third option I would say because there's only year one and two I, I think and then everyone else gets your, gets their shots off but KCP was definitely I think the third best player um, for LA in these playoffs considering his consistency his ability to make threes um, yeah. consistently again like he was the only consistent three-point shooter for them pretty much even his defense is actually... and his defense yeah. yeah like people people um Again, I don't think a lot of people remember him when he was in Detroit, but he was one of those guys that was talked about as being one of the next best, uh, you two know, fringe. Yeah, yeah, exactly, best two-way guards. Yeah. Um, I don't know how Detroit just let him go, <laughs> like because Detroit's Detroit. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, but no, like uh, again, KCP was one of those players that really uh, stepped up in in that role, and like another player, like on the Lakers before we shift to the to Miami is. Rajon Rondo. I think Rondo had a bad reputation, at least coming into last season, was the fact that, like, you know, he really didn't have that, um, you know, people thought of Rondo as, like, you know, he's he's not, he doesn't have it anymore. 
and I think he reestablished himself as a playoff performer. Like, I, 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 I'm one of those doubters who doubted playoff Rondo, but it's a yeah. Thing, I was man. just gonna say that, man, because I gave Rondo a hard time about his play. Yeah. Uh, over the past few seasons in the regular season, and to be honest, rightfully so, he was not good. Um, but the fact is that they always people always talk about how much more IQ matters in the playoffs yeah. and those smart guys always matter in the playoffs and Rondo's I think the epitome of that um again he did have his moments where it's like bro that's like 22 seconds of Rondo uh out of 24 seconds of offense like he had those moments and I think some of those issues still per, uh exist where it's like when Rondo's not playing great he's just not good at all case in point I think it was I think it was game five where he Put up like two points or something, yeah. um, but again, he established himself as playoff Rondo. He established himself as, um, you know, LA's arguably fourth, third best player at times. Um, yeah, I mean, like he was a great leader, and I think, um, especially off the bench, just being that extension of the coach of the head coach is. And I think the most important thing was that he let LeBron take some rest during games. Yeah, just being just being that ball handler, you know, just being that floor general. That's what Rondo does, and you know, and he did a, he did a solid job in this playoffs. Uh, obviously, the the next th- we're gonna shift things over to Miami. For Miami, the X factor was clearly Duncan Robinson. Uh, this this point, this guy can shoot, man. He's crazy, man. He's actually crazy. How quick like, of a trigger does this guy have? The fact is that when Duncan Robinson played good, Miami often won. And when he was not as good, Miami often lost. Duncan Robinson again. He's he has the I think he has the career effect of where he doesn't even need to touch the ball for yeah. him to have such a big impact. Right? It's it's that quick release, man. Like on, honestly, like one play I distinctly remember. I think it was in, I think it was in game five. Like it was a defensive lapse by the Lakers. Caruso and KCP ran into each other. Yeah, that that little like two second blunder. Duncan Robinson catch shot. It's in. And and the fact is that Duncan Robinson was literally just standing there. And, you know, he took a few steps and saw the, uh, you know, mishap coming, right? Where yeah. Caruso and KCP were going to run tra- into each other. He used the opportunity to sprint off and get the ball and shoot it, right? Um, they, the fact is that Duncan Robinson can affect the game so much for Miami. Again, without him even having the ball, right? You talk about the Bam out of bio pick and rolls. The reason why Bam out of bio pick and rolls work so good is the fact is because of the fact that they often have Duncan Robinson in the corner. And you can't help off Duncan Robinson in the corner. So what happens? In the pick and rolls, that usually becomes a two-on-one yeah. uh, for Miami, right? Yeah. So Duncan Robinson, again, he didn't play much at all last year. But he established himself as like one of the most valuable pieces for the Miami Heat. Now, he does need to improve defensively. I think he's a, he's a very big defensive liability right now. Actually, he did improve quite a bit in the playoffs, if I have to say so. I, I, I need to see better strides. But he can work on it. Like That's the thing. Like, at the very least, he's not a small player, right? So exactly. he can at least, he can at least be average. I was just going to bring that up. Like, he has the tools. He has the physical tools, at least, to be a solid, like a decent defender, at least average. So I'm not really worried about that, but yeah, Duncan Robinson was huge. Um, and speaking of Miami and their and their future, Miami has an incredibly bright future. Like the the young talent they have in Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, uh, Robinson, those those are all great now. And obviously with Jimmy Butler there for for long term, but they have a lot of questions, man. Getting into this off season, 
And the first one that, like, obviously, should they run it back? You know, they have three key guys hitting free agency this this offseason, this summer. We're already way past uh, that. Yeah, we're past summer. We're already way past that. Uh, but, yeah, Goran Dragic, Jay Crowder are both unrestricted free agents this offseason. Kelly Olenek has a player option. I'm pretty sure he'll take it, but I'm not too sure anymore. Uh, but those guys are all, you know, potential free agents. And, you know, Miami's got the young guys, but... They just made it to the NBA Finals, so shouldn't they run it back? I mean, for me, I think, and Pat Riley, I think, is thinking the same thing. Because obviously, Pat Riley never uh, tanks. Um, but to be honest, I, I don't see why they wouldn't want to run it back. Because of the fact that you have your 2021 offseason, right? They have the cap space uh, to get that big super max, or, or get that max contract star, right? So why would you not just kill this? You know, let this next season go by. See what you can do in this next season. Uh, try to win as many games well, as possible, and then you get your hopefully for them get their max star. In well, the potential issues come in with the fact that how much is Goran Dragic going to going to com- command? Because he played well this playoffs. He did play well. Problem is, he is thirty four, right? So I don't think he's going to command and that much money. My other question is: Would Miami consider going after a player like Chris Paul? Because no, again. I don't think so. I think Chris Paul makes up for that defensive deficiency you get out of Dragic. With better playmaking, pair that with Bam and Jimmy, I, I, I really like that. I think the contract, also, he's a bit old at this point, too. You have, you have your, you have a guy What is in, he, 35, right? Yeah. You have Kendrick Nunn, you have Tyler Hero, who can both run with the ball. Um, I don't think there's any need for them to go out and get a guy like Chris Paul. Because, again, they do have their 2021 offseason. They have their max slot, right? So that's pretty much what they're banking on. Um, a guy like Goran Dragic, I don't think he's going to command that much money. Or, if anything, what they can do is make, like, a front-loaded contract or whatever, get him his money right now, and then, um, you know, drop that money off. Well, that's if he again. wants a long-term deal, which, again, he might. But we don't know. We we still don't have the cap projections. So and again, I think in the case of Jay Crowder and Kelly Olynyk, I don't think it's going to take they're, they're too not much be too money. Hard yeah, to bring back, I think Jay Crowder, he he can you can probably bring him back. Um, yeah, and obviously you brought up the twenty twenty one off season options. But again, next we're gonna move into the finals MVP debate because apparently there's a debate. Yeah, I think it's just uh, a lot of LeBron haters. Skip Bayless. Much. Yeah, um, that's like, uh, bro, I don't know, man. People like, think, so basically the debate is people think Anthony Davis should have won finals, deserved finals MVP award over LeBron James. I think game five sealed it for LeBron. Yeah, that put a 40-point triple-double. Look, man, there are games where Anthony Davis dropped 15 points, 22, like pedestrian numbers for his standard. And if you're going to be that dominant big man, you can't be doing that. Especially because of the fact that I think people were having this conversation earlier too when LeBron was not scoring as much. He wasn't as focused on scoring. Obviously, we all know as the series ramps up, he starts, you know, trying to score more. But um, even when LeBron, for example, earlier in the playoffs was playing up like, let's say, 22 points in a game or 20 points in a game, right? The the people were saying, oh, AD has like 10 more points, so he's a better, he, you know, he's yeah, but, he's their better player. He's more valuable to them. Who, the problem is yeah. LeBron also orchestrates the offense. Yeah, like who has the 10 assists and 10 rebounds Yeah, on top who's of the that? one who gets AD the ball like in those positions, it's, right? It's 23 points, but with 10 and 10. Exactly. You know, it's like, 
Like, LeBron is... It's a played-out argument. I think that's the product of, you know, obviously the Skip Bayless's... And I mentioned and I mentioned not. it earlier. LeBron led the Lakers in this finals in points, rebounds, assists, probably a couple other categories that I don't remember. So, the, that, to me, sealed it. I'm like, he's the best player on the team that won the championship. Thing. And that's the other reason why people were, like, people were being salty when, like, Kevin Durant won over Steph Curry. That he's the best player on the team that won. Steph Curry is the second best guy, and he benefited greatly off of not having double teams because of Kevin Durant. Exactly. Like, yeah, Steph might be the heart of the team, but he's not the best player. Also, I think, um, like, if you hear Anthony Davis talk about it, too, Anthony Davis always talks about LeBron leading him, right? It's not Anthony Davis leading LeBron. It's LeBron leading Anthony Davis, right? So I think that in itself is argument enough for why LeBron should have won yeah. unanimous finals MVP as he did, right? Um, I think it's just a bunch of uh, LeBron haters. Right, I, I have no issues with LeBron winning finals MVP. Like, not, um, not at all. I think another problem that we got to discuss, um, especially, again... Is it really I think a problem? It's it's a very... I think, bro, it, I think it's indicative of what the NBA community has become at this point. Toxic. Right? Very toxic. Yeah, like, you, you can't have a normal conversation with people in the NBA community yeah, anymore. People get butthurt now. Yeah, people get butthurt or they're always raging or something. Like, it's very... I think this topic that we're going to bring up is very indicative of what this situation is like for um, the NBA community. And that is the topic about were the Lakers gifted an easy ring? Were they gifted the Mickey Mouse ring, as, as these haters like to call it, you know? Um, I think, first of all, no teams are gifted a ring. Now, yes, are all rings equal? No. no. Right? But are, is any team gifted a ring? Even no. the 2017 Warriors? No, because they're the ones who put in the requisite work, right? They're putting in the work. They're putting their bodies on the line. There's nobody that gets gifted an easy ring. It's right? about, that's, that's the argument about last year. Oh, uh, the Raptors were gifted an easy ring with the Warriors. How? Doing. They still played, like, and I want to clear this up because, again, I hate when people, like, people bring this up to me is that Oh, the Raptors, if Kevin Durant played, that would have been like, it wouldn't have been a series. I'm like, first of all, we don't know that. We don't know. Second of all, uh, Durant came back, he got hurt. Raptors can't control that. Third of all, the Raptors did play a team with Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson on it, right? So those are the that's the core of a 73 and 9 team. It's not the Raptors' Iguodala. fault. Oh, and Igadala and Sean Livingston. Oh, Sean Livingston wasn't there. He was retired. No, he was there. He retired uh, after that. Was he? Sean Livingston Bro. was there. I remember Sean Livingston playing. Oh, right, right, right. So it's just I think it's he not wasn't like it's not the Raptors. Like the Raptors were the better built team. They had more depth, and we mentioned like I've mentioned that about that that series. They had more depth than than the Warriors. The the Raptors be- schematically were outplayed the Warriors for those all uh, first four games. Yeah, until well, game- I mean they did lose was a game two. Yeah, I mean, like, but they did for games one, three, and four. They did yeah. outperform perform mm-hmm. them, and then game six. Ultimately, they outlasted the Warriors. Yeah, you like, know? bro, this whole argument of teams having easy rings and whatnot is, I think, completely baseless. Especially in this in this instance, because um, as I get into it, I think we can start off from the beginning of the playoffs, right? People, people, you can search this up too. Like, this isn't even like me just being a LeBron fan or whatever. You can literally search this up, search this up all over social media, seeing what people were saying on YouTube. 
People before the playoffs were talking about the Portland Trailblazers being the most dangerous eight seed in recent history. That they were going to be able to, you know, topple the Lakers with Damian Lillard, the way he was playing, CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic coming back, Carmelo. And I saw stuff about, oh, Carmelo Anthony is going to be motivated against LeBron, so he's going to lock up LeBron and drop 25 <laughs> a game on him. Like, Carmelo I saw stuff like that. Anybody? I saw stuff like that, man. Um, so people were talking about Portland being a dangerous, dangerous eight seed. But what happens when the Lakers, especially I think after game one, uh, Charles Barkley is, yo, guaranteed. You know, the sweep, you brought the, sweep. the boom out. Um, a lot of people were talking about, And then oh, broke it. Yeah, a lot of people were talking about, oh, the Lakers are going to lose to Portland. But what happened when the Lakers dismantled them in five? Oh, yo, Portland's eight seed, bro. It's so easy. It's so easy, man. Like, again, first of all, this is going to be a theme throughout, like, everything I talk about. It's not the Lakers' fault if the other team messes up. And we right? brought it up with Portland. They were they were out of... Like, I had that concern. Like, I kind of knew they were going to win game one. But I'm like, yo, they just went through, like, a dog fight to get through the bubble games. And now you think they're going to blast in a playoff series against LeBron? It's... No. Yeah. Like, it's, it's completely baseless. Then we move on to a Houston series. Um... And a lot of people are saying, oh, Houston's going to beat them because of small ball. You know, Houston can go five out. They're going to make it. They're going to play the Lakers' bigs off the floor, which they did minus Anthony Davis. But that was the thing. The Lakers had Anthony Davis, a yeah. perfect big man. Uh, to stop Houston. To stop Houston's offense, right? Um, and, again, credit to Frank Vogel. He had a brilliant game plan throughout those that series. Yeah. But people were talking about, oh, Houston's going to take out the Lakers. And then afterwards, what happened after the Lakers beat them in five? Oh, Houston's not good uh, a good matchup with super the Lakers. Super small ball. Yeah, super small ball. It didn't oh, work. Not, it was, yeah. Like, LeBron was facing, like, no bigs. I'm like, well, again. again that's Houston's fault, and, not but, the uh, And LA's. we brought that up when, uh, when we predicted the series. We were like, look, how is the small ball going to work? <laughs> like, And it didn't work. It flopped. Yeah, bro. Like, so, it's, it's ridiculous. Next point, we get to the Nuggets, right? Call the Reggie Nuggets, Miller. the Nuggets. They're like, oh, the Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets beat the Clippers. Um, I'll get into the Clippers in a bit. The Nuggets beat the Clippers. Oh, they're gonna beat Lakers. Uh, you know, they can make a LA run for their money. LA dispatched them in five, right? And we mentioned the Nuggets were a young team has and like they 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 haven't they haven't been to the conference finals, and again like. Jamal Murray, as good as he is, the Lakers have wings that they can throw at him. And Jokic is going up against bigs as just AD, Dwight Howard, and JaVale McGee. So it's not it wasn't going to be easy for Nikola Jokic to be successful. And that gets to the main point about the LA Clippers. Call Reggie Miller. Choke. That's a choke right? job right there. Again, uh, we all know who I'm talking about when uh, I say that, you know, it's not the Lakers' fault that the Clippers choked. Whereas you have some quote-unquote analysts talking about, oh, the Lakers are lucky that they dodged the Clippers. No, L.A. choked. The Clippers, the Clippers choked. choked. The, Cl- the Clippers choked. Like, it wasn't uh, as the someone, Lakers dodging them. So as someone who... who I, I I wanted the Clippers to win it all. They were my pick to win it I all. I mean, they were my pick to win it all. I didn't want and them to win it all. I wanted them to win it all. I think I, like, I'm like i a, a Kawhi guy. But like, again, I don't disrespect LeBron in any way. But again... At the end of the day, they choked. They should have beat the Nuggets. They should have. They had three chances to finish it off, but they didn't. And I really feel that, uh, you know. I think it goes back to the fact of why, since when have we penalized champions or teams for 
not playing the an opponent. And okay, so here's the other thing: people are gonna argue for the Warriors, and because I know the Warrior band, bandwagons are gonna they're gonna come back next year. They're already, they're already got their pitchforks and knives already. Um, but the Warrior bandwagon they'll say, "Oh well, we got so much criticism because we just because we swept the East." Well, let me let me add some context to this. The West. Not sorry, the West. You stacked the deck. You had an, a lineup with five all-star players. No team had that, so it's not fair. It wasn't fair. They knew it wasn't fair. Now, just because they were able to pull it off and do it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean like it's the perception of how your your championship is 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 done. Now, LeBron and AD, it was actually like they were relatively competitive. You know, their team wasn't amazing. Besides LeBron and AD, that wasn't an amazing team. I quite still question the roster construction. Yeah. Like, they have guys like Kyle Kuzma. Like, <laughs> again, <laughs> like, uh, like you, when you're, like, fifth best guy is Alex Caruso. Like, again, I, Alex Caruso's a decent player, but he's not, again, like, a, a star, a superstar player. I think going back to Clippers, again, it goes back to the fact of why would we penalize a team for not facing another team. That makes no sense. In that case, uh, if you want to point to, um, you know, for example, like Michael Jordan's rings and whatnot, bro. James Worthy, for example, got injured in, you know, in, in that 91 season, right? Do we pl- blame Michael Jordan for that? No, we don't blame um, a team for what, for the opponent that they didn't face. You know, we're not going to blame the Lakers for the Clippers choking. That's on the Clippers. That's That's not on the Lakers. The Lakers are going to play whoever's in front of them. Like, that's not any... There's no sound logic in doing that. No, yeah. Was it easier for the Lakers to play the Nuggets? Yeah. But, again, the Clippers kind of made that happen, so... And then, finally, I think the going to the finals, um, you know, people talk about, oh, well, I'll use a Skibilis quote, epic mismatch or whatever it was that I keep saying, right? The Lakers were epic mismatch for my How? Now, yes, again, were, was LA, you know, supposed to win? Were they heavily favored? Yes. Yeah. But to say that Miami just was not supposed to be on that level, Miami clearly showed that they were they deserved to be on that level, taking out Indiana the way they did, moving on to Milwaukee, taking out the first seed the That's way the they did. That's a big one. Then moving on to Boston, taking out Boston the way they did. Right? It, like... It's not you can't just sweep Miami under a rug while at the same time praising about how how much of a tough opponent they are, right? Because I've seen this a lot. Oh, Miami's such a tough team, and then when you talk about them against the Lakers, oh, Miami was a garbage team, bro. At least you beat them easily. Garbage team, right? I mean, like they it's were... the double standard I think yeah. get, that gets thrown in in LeBron conversation. And then finally, I'm gonna say this because um, I've seen this a bit too. Oh. LA was such a stacked team. They, bro, they had Dwight Howard. They had Rondo. They had LeBron. They had AD. Uh, pretty much besides LeBron and AD and Kuzma, everyone else on this LA team was a player that no other team wanted. Right? You look at Rondo. Locker room cancer, whatnot. Oh, can't play in the modern game. Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard was on five teams in five years. His I can argue that gone. LeBron didn't want Kuzma either. <laughs> I mean, that's what he was got. That's what he got. Right? You had to keep one one of the young guys. I get it. Dwight Howard was on five teams in five years. Nobody wanted to sign Dwight Howard. The only reason why the Lakers signed Dwight Howard was because DeMarcus Cousins got injured. And Dwight Howard didn't even sign 
a guaranteed contract. He was on a non-guaranteed contract Until for only one guaranteed. year. Right? Exactly. Only for one year. So nobody wanted Dwight Howard. Markeith Morris, the only reason why LA had to get Markeith Morris was because the Clippers literally denied LA Marcus Morris. How did that work out for the Clippers, right? The Clippers only got Marcus Morris because they wanted to deny the Lakers of Marcus Morris. And Mar- uh, thing. I mean, Markeith was not perfect, but again... He you- played as... He played better than I expected, if I'm going to say so myself, in, in these playoffs. He he played, he outplayed my expectations for sure. Maybe. Now, did he have some bad moments? Absolutely. Yeah. But um, he five. did outplay expectations uh, for me. Look, at the end of the day, this was not an easy ring for the Lakers. I'm going to say that right now. And even anyone who's going to put an asterisk just because of the bubble... Like, yo, get the hell out of here, man. Like this, Everyone in the bubble has said this is the toughest championship. This is one of the toughest championships to win, you know? And the fact that the Lakers were able to do it, I don't care. Their road was just as tough as, as the Clippers. I'm, I'm, I'm being dead-ass serious. They had a competitive team in round one, uh, like a sneaky competitive team. And, you know, obviously the Lakers at Portland, uh, the Clippers at Dallas. Good opponent in round two, Houston, Denver. But then the Lakers had a competitive series in round three. And again, it goes back to the fact that LA, their focus, their mental preparation. Whereas you saw other teams crumbled, right? That's one of the reasons why this ring has so much value to it for the Lakers. Because you saw with the Clippers, right? Their whole team was a mess because of the bubble, right? But you saw with LA, LeBron leading the charge. Yeah. They're all focused. They're all on one page. And, that's and what they we, got through it. And that's the difference between rings. It's its value. So Kevin Durant might be a two-time champion, but the value of those rings aren't really great because he hasn't done it on his own yet. Like, his road was so easy. And that's why we under we undervalue those rings. It's just facts at this point. Um, and moving on into legacy points. Uh, obviously, we got to tally up the legacy points because uh, we got a lot of legacies to keep track of in this series. The first one is LeBron cements his legacy, and this he cements his status as he it's his goat status. He's the goat of this era, hands down. Nobody can take that away. In my books, he's he's dead. He's number two all time in my book. Um, getting getting up there, he's getting close to to, to Michael. And you know the whole the whole thing about four uh, rings with four Finals MVP does. It's it's a lot better than I think three. Yeah. Right. And with um, three different teams too. That's and regarding this whole gold debate too, I think I've talked about it a couple of times. In you know, I say just for simplicity's sake, if somebody asks me who's my goat, I say Michael Jordan, right? But the truth of the matter is, the goat debate is really pointless because there is no official goat. Yeah. You can't make an argument for it's an, an era goat. goat thing. Like even uh, even eras. for eras, you can't even make that argument necessarily because it's. Different positions, different play styles, right? If you want to compare Hakeem to Michael Jordan, you can't because they're two completely different positions, right? So I think, you know, for simplicity's sake, if somebody asks me, again, Michael Jordan number one, LeBron number two for me. But in reality, there is there is no actual GOAT conversation. I mean, if we're talking... You can't have a pr- provable... Stephen A. said it best, I think, to Kendrick Perkins. Like, the fact that we're putting LeBron number two all time in all of basketball... That's a lot of respect to LeBron, just for what he does, man. Even though, despite losing six finals out of ten, it's it, there's something to that. Obviously, we have to also talk about Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo, who are basically Hall of Famers, Hall of Fame locks at this point. Well, Dwight was already guaranteed. I think it's Rondo who benefited the most. Well, yeah. Dwight got his championship, but again, I but think the championship Rondo, really helps Dwight. Yeah, it definitely helps. 
But I think... Uh, what is he, Dwight's the three-time defensive player of the yeah, year? Yeah, I think that was already... Cause, because we saw Dwight Howard Dunk dominant in his Orlando days, All-star. right? All-star. Rondo was always one of those fringe Hall of Famers. But I think this ring and the way he played in the playoffs, I think, especially cemented his status, I would say, for me personally. Two-time champ with two storied franchises... You know, one first of the, to do it for LA in Boston. Yep, like one of the one of the smartest players to ever play. I yeah, he will, he's gonna get in for sure. And I think it was a very feel good story for Dwight Howard, uh, because everything he just went through over the past like five years. I was happy for Dwight, honestly, man. Like I just feel like and to get it in LA, where arguably his career went, you know, it turned at that point in LA. Yeah. Uh, I think for, big, for both man. of them, are, it, this championship was really, really big for them. Um, next point, as you talked about before, um, Contavious Caldwell Pope redeeming himself um, after you know that terrible start to the season where all the LA fans were talking smack trade about PCP. him, trade him. Oh wait, he had not? no trade clause. Yeah, he had a no. Again, Rich, Rich Paul. Paul, bro, clutch sports, um, the clutch. Empire. But it was a good thing the Lakers didn't actually try to trade him because. Uh, he came through and he came through when they needed him. And again, people were talking about last year. Oh, Contavious Caldwell Pope was garbage. First of all, he was he had his good moments last year. Second of all, he was technically on house arrest while he was playing those games. If you remember, right? He was technically on. He couldn't get out of LA, which is why he didn't play away games for most of the season. Yeah. Um. So obviously that messes up your rhythm completely. Um. You saw this season. Also, after it that, diverts your focus. Exactly. After you. After that. Um. Again, that is his fault, it not is. nobody else. But again, that does not help with his play on the court. But um, yeah, after his terrible start to this season, uh, the way he played over the last stretch of the NBA games, um, and especially in the playoffs, um, shout out KCP, bro. He he really deserved the ring that he got. He played well, and finally. Jimmy Butler has cemented himself as a, stu- a superstar in this league. I know Skip Bayless is like, oh, he's good, he's a star, but he's not a superstar. No, Jimmy Butler. I think a that was the conversation before, but I think now it's being Jimmy Butler is a superstar now. Like you can see when Jimmy Butler is in the right in 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 a, in a right system in the big moments, he comes through. And as Raptor fans, we've seen Jimmy Butler torch us for years. Like it was just the team. The team around was, him was not ideal. Yeah. for him. Right, and now you see he's in a, a team and a system and a culture that is ideal for Jimmy Butler. This guy's thriving, man, and he's gonna be scary. Like he's, he, it's gonna be scary to see Miami for the next few years. And Jimmy. the fact of the matter is that you know, uh, it was always talked about oh locker room cancer and whatnot, but you see now how good of a teammate he actually is in the right system to actually. Lets him flourish yeah. as the type of Jimmy wasn't he is, the problem. Right? Let's be real, Jimmy wasn't the problem in those other stops. Definitely not. Those those franchises have their own share of issues. Definitely not. I think uh, interesting question that's come up um, over the course of this season, especially in the playoffs. I think is whether or not Anthony Davis is LeBron's best co-star ever. I'm gonna say now. Obviously, it's it's referring to him, D yeah. Wade, and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, like I'm gonna say talent wise. Yeah, no, none of those other guys are as dominant and as you know talented as Anthony Davis. You know, or like I think um, also like multifaceted. Yeah, like know. as a pure talented, Anthony Davis can play defense. He he can score the ball on offense in multiple different ways. You know, you can play him in multiple positions. And the thing about it that I think 
people don't realize he doesn't play at all like LeBron James. You know, Dwayne Wade was great, but he basically played the same kind of role. Like they were wings, which is why I don't think they did get two championships out of it. But I don't think it was as great of a uh, a duo as they could have been. It was the chemistry that made that work because exactly. obviously LeBron and D Wade are like best best buds. So, you know... They had a lot of overlapping. You know, two guys that aren't necessarily... They're perimeter players, but not perimeter-oriented, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah. They attack the basket. Two guys that, you know, are creative players for other uh, team members, but not necessarily, you know, going to do it from outside the paint where, you know, they can let one person go outside the paint. And LeBron has never played with a dominant big. And we've seen... We've seen... Uh, now that like when he does it's it's crazy how good he is because now you have a guy who can dominate the paint just as well as LeBron can he can stretch the floor he can post up you know he can he can you know uh what's the term face he can face up attack the basket and then I think going crazy. to um Kyrie Irving now Kyrie Irving I think was uh, very good next to LeBron because of the fact that he took that you know number he, he took those shots you know, he let LeBron chill a bit more, right? He let Kyrie he was, was definitely a, a closer. He was a he was a closer and he was a scorer, right? So he yeah. let LeBron be the ideal thing for LeBron, which is a facilitator, a playmaker, right? So he let LeBron do that. Problem with Kyrie Irving was that he was not a good defender, right? Uh, because of the fact that he wasn't a good defender, it made things a bit more complicated. Whereas you see, Anthony Davis is one of the best perimeters, uh, one of the best defenders in the NBA. Um, I think the better question is, um, is Anthony Davis LeBron's best complimentary co-star ever or most complimentary co-star ever? And I think in that question, the answer would definitely be yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think I think the talent argument alone just kind of kind of cements that for me. But yeah, no, again. Like, it's, it's the fact that they play two different positions mm-hmm. in on offense and on defense, right? Where they don't, overlap over each other's talents yeah right so i think that's why it makes anthony davis arguably the best compliment to lebron that lebron has ever had you know despite the fact that he had a closer like Kyrie, a shot maker like Kyrie, or he had um you know a mvp candidate in his day in d wade uh anthony davis is anthony Davis. whatever lebron doesn't do anthony davis does right and whatever Anthony Davis doesn't do, LeBron does, which is why it's such a good compliment. Like, as I said, I think it's the best on paper duo since um, Kobe and Shaq. Right? Yeah, no, the def- best complimentary duo since de- Kobe and Shaq. It definitely is. Uh, and with that, that's basically our entire breakdown of the NBA Finals. Once again, congratulations to LeBron and the Lakers. Uh, Lakers got banner number seventeen to tie with the Boston Celtics. LeBron got fourth ring, fourth finals MVP. And obviously, shout out to, you know, some of the lesser known guys. I know people, uh, Lakers fans love to hate on Danny Green, but man's a three-time champ, back-to-back. Um, we have, you know, obviously Rondo, Dwight, we've already talked to him, KCP. And shout out to, like, Rob Polinka and everyone else who is in the organization. Yeah. The assistant coaches and whatnot. I talked about Jason Kidd, Lionel Hollins, Phil Handy, um, Remember, all of those JaVale guys. McGee's a three-time champ. Yeah, JaVale McGee's also a three-time champ. Um, you know... And again, it's it's a much 
It's a much better. I think also it starts on top with the Genie Bus as well. Yeah. Right. No. It's a much better organization when Genie Bus took over from her brother. Genie has been through a lot of shit, and I think uh, this really helps a lot. You know, just uh, just winning that championship. Oh yeah, and uh, just so we don't forget for, too, Kobe. for Kobe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was I think one of the best good best, stories. Best storyline, man. Yeah. Like yeah, the year started off like Snoop Dogg's had a best in my opinion. Like this year started off so poorly with you know Kobe dying and you know all that you know city of LA was like mourning that and the fact that they can end it with the championship is pretty darn good story honestly exactly Hollywood ending yeah there that, you go yeah that's that's a good way to describe there's it. your Hollywood ending LA uh with that that's moving us into the up and under segment for this week uh first off are you up or under on Sam Cassell Mike Brown and Tyron Lu? are in contention for the Clippers job and Tyron Lu is actually reportedly he wants the Rockets job. Oh man, I don't want to turn this into another Tyloo slander. Um because like at this point we go ahead we literally talk about Tyloo. It's been like four episodes in a row, but we can keep going how long it's been. Um you know what though I'm up on the list of candidates they have. I think for me, I've seen what Mike Brown's done not particularly impressive for me. But again, he has been in the Golden State system for a while now, so maybe he did improve quite a bit. He picked up some tricks um, from Steve Kerr. Tyron Lue, <sighs> the fact that both the Rockets and the Clippers want him. Again, Tyron Lue deserves his credit as a player coach, right? Like, as a, as a guy who relates very well in the locker room, who's a very locker room uh, Don't go to Houston, headed Tyron coach. Uh, but in terms of his X's and O's, yeah. like... We've seen this firsthand as Raptors fans that Tyron Lue is not really a good on-court coach. No, he's, he's not. great to have as assistant coach. Yeah, but um, in terms of the on-court product, again, maybe he has improved under Doc Rivers, who yeah. is one of the best X's and O coaches in the league. But I'm not very confident in Tyron Lue. That brings me to Sam Cassell. I think that's a very interesting uh, name for me. I would. I think I would like to see Sam Cassell get this job Be- just because of the fact that I haven't seen what he can do uh, but reportedly he is a very well respected um, coach in- across all locker rooms in the NBA just like Tyron Lue uh, the fact that he had his I think he started in Clippers right under Doc Rivers yeah yeah, I he, think so. Or maybe I mean, he was in Minnesota or something. I don't know. But the fact is that he was under Doc Rivers for X amount of time all these years um Again, to learn under uh, a coach as good as Doc Rivers, um, I think would definitely help him out in his experience. And again, just it goes back to the fact that the Clippers are a championship contending team, right? You want that familiarity. Yeah, Paul that, George. Yeah, yeah, you need that familiarity in the locker room, right? I think that's where guys like Ty Lue and Sam Cassell come in. Um, you know, they won't change much in the locker room. But again, uh, since... I don't really want Tyron Lue to get that job. I would be very interested to see what Sam Cassell can do in this role. Yeah, Sam Cassell was the assistant coach in Washington. Uh, then he joined Flip Saunders in Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. Uh, then, um, you know, then obviously he joined with the Clippers. Yeah, after five seasons with the Wizards, uh, he went to the Clippers. Yeah, so, so I think I would be very interested to see Sam Cassell in that And role. key things that I'm reading is guys like John Wall who was drafted by the Wizards, he credits Cassell, Cassell for his development into the NBA, into his playing and style. And Sam Cassell was one of those very high IQ guys when yeah. he was playing as well, right? 
Yeah. Um, so I think that would be an interesting opportunity. And like Paul Pierce signed with the Wizards because of talking to Sam Cassell. So he is very respected and John Wall credits a lot of his success to him. So we'll see what happens, man. Like, uh, honestly, man, I'm kind of, uh, I'm over the Ty Lue stuff. Mike Brown's interesting, but I think Sam Cassell might just be the guy for the Clippers. And uh, Houston, do not hire Tyler. Tyler, please. I'll take I'll take Stan Van Gundy over over freaking thing. Well, speaking of Stan Van Gundy, apparently the New Orleans Pelicans um are interviewing him for their head coach vacancy. So are you up around or on Stan Van Gundy as the possible uh next coach? Oh man. Okay, I'm kind of in the middle on this one. So I like the, I think Stan Van Gundy has had an opportunity to take a step back away from the from the coaching position. And has got to see the game from an analytical perspective, at least being an analyst and brought in a broadcaster. And he's a good broadcaster. I really, I really like hearing. Bro, the him. Van Gundy brothers are good at what they do. They they're good at broadcasting. They are really good at that. Um, but I think that has really given him an opportunity to kind of see the modern game and kind of have get develop that better understanding. Now, the flip side of it, this is all heavily theoretical. I don't know how much retention or how trend transferable this is going to be for Stan Van. And he hasn't had the greatest track record with young teams. Listen, man, Stan Van Gundy has, I think he's, he has his good moment. I think overall he's a good coach. Uh, he does have his uh, questionable moments. I think the reason why his reputation took a hit was his Detroit days. Oh, yeah. And the problem with his Detroit days, I don't even think was coaching necessarily. It was the fact that he assumed general manager uh, yeah. duties. That was the main thing that, really killed him right and we've seen like it doesn't most of the time unless you're for example greg popovich or whatnot being the gm and the coach does not work that often uh we've just seen it in the nfl with bill o'brien right it yeah um, no it, it doesn't work man Co- it, you can't perform two roles when they're that comprehensive exactly especially the fact that one one role is you're with players every day but another role is also the fact that you're the one pretty much cutting their checks, right? Yeah. So it's it's a very bad dynamic, I think, to have. It only works when you have a guy like Greg Popovich, who is that guy in San Antonio, right? Along with R.C. Buford. Yeah. Uh, but when you have guys who are not as established as... And that's organizational they- structure as well for the Spurs. The fact that like they have an entire system put in place. And Greg Popovich was the guy that installed it. It's like... You have the technician running the machine, so he knows exactly what everything is doing. Exactly. So, um, so I think because of that, that Detroit thing, Stan Van Gundy's reputation took a hit. Um, but again, he has been. I think he's interesting to say the least That's because what you're I not, bring up, you're yeah. not, you're not expecting to win a championship yet, right? Well, so I think at the very least, you you might- want ideally the Pelicans want to coach it to help these players take a next step developmentally, which I think Van Gundy can do. Because these aren't like super young guys anymore. Like Lonzo, they, he's been in the league for three years. And Ingram's been in the league for five. You know, like they're not super young guys anymore. And I think Van Gundy might be able to take them to that next level. But at the very least, Van Gundy does instill his values in his players yeah, and his players respect yeah. uh, him. So I think I think a guy like that would be good for a young team. But again, it goes back to the fact that will he be able to take that next step and adapt with them? You know, yeah. like you gotta adapt with young players, man. And that's that's the whole reason why, uh, like a guy like what was it? Uh, Tom Thibodeau never worked 
You know? Yeah, no. Because we've the, talked about Tom Taylor oh before. My God, five years. <laughs> Jesus, New York. Uh, no. Moving on. Uh, are you up or under on Lawrence Frank? Frank Lawrence, as I'm going to call him now, <laughs> winning Bring executive the of the list. year. Winning executive of the year. I'm under on this. Okay, now, to be fair, I understand why he won it. I don't. I understand. I mean, that was kind of Kawhi who. You mortgaged your future it. for a second round exit. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, I'm under on it because of the fact that Masai Ujiri has taken a team that was garbage, right, in 2013. Mm-hmm. And over the past seven years has made them a champion. Uh, a champion. A champion um, and has made the organization one of the best organizations in the league and a model of consistency, structure, and uh, growth. And yet this man has no executive of the years to show for it. In in Toronto, exactly. Yeah, in Toronto. Yeah. Well, he had one in Denver. But. Yeah, he had one in Denver. But this guy has no executive of the year. The fact that people widely acknowledge that uh, Masai Ujiri is the best executive in the league. I'm pretty sure Max Kellerman even brought that, said that. Yeah, a lot of people have said that. It's, it's widely acknowledged that he is the best uh, executive in the league. Yeah. The fact that he doesn't even have one executive of the year, especially with the way the Raptors performed this year, right? Without if, Kawhi Leonard. Like, if anyone... Like, look, if there's any one year Masai could have won it, it would have probably been last year. Last year, just pulling off the Kawhi move that everyone doubted and won a championship with it. That that was that I think he could have won an executive of the year for. But even this year, he lost Kawhi. He lost Danny Green. His biggest free agent signing was Rondé Hollis Jefferson or Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson. I was just gonna say <laughs> like, that. Move. Those were his free agent acquisitions. Yet his his Toronto team pushed Boston to seven games and could have easily, probably if Pascal played Second a little bit better. Best record in the league, right? Third, actually. Second. No, it was Lakers, Bucks, Raptors. Lakers, Bucks, Raptors. Oh, Bucks, Lakers, Raptors. Yeah, we were third. No, then we finished with a no. We finished with a better record than the Lakers uh, by like half a game. Maybe I mean second. It was, it was that last stretch where they lost like seven straight games. Or top whatever. top three in the in the league is impressive. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Second. Um, to be able to do that with the roster that they had, it it shows it shows organizational success, right? And at the front of that it's is Masai Ujiri. And the fact that he doesn't have one executive of the year title um, since he's gone to Toronto is, I think, ridiculous. And let me slander Frank Lawrence here for a second. This man literally stalked Kawhi all season last year. Yeah, that's so weird. And stuff. begged him to come to freaking to freaking to the Clippers. And then Kawhi like, "Yo, get me Paul George." This man traded away five first round picks to the to and Sam Presti's like all right I'll take that for Paul George essentially this year for the Clippers is a must win they I, have to win the championship if this they is don't their last win, year if they don't win it bro the Clippers will be implode the Clippers will go back to being the irrelevant yeah the little brother as Snoop Dogg calls him uh, like I'm not. I mean, the li- Clippers are never gonna be able to shed that label, but especially if look, man, it happens. If it doesn't happen this year, oh man. The f- the fact that 
you had all this talent and couldn't win, couldn't even get to the conference finals. That's sad, bro. That is incredibly sad. Um, finally, are you up or under on JJ Redick on his podcast saying that the Philadelphia 76ers effed up by not keeping him? Yeah, I'm up. Sixers don't have shooting. Sixers don't have shooting. And JJ Redick was their best shooter. The pick and roll with Joel Embiid was probably their best play <laughs> that they that they ran. You know? Yeah, JJ Redick coming off of uh down screens and whatnot, bro. Yeah. There's a reason why JJ Redick was arguably their, you know, second most valuable player throughout the whatever three, four years that he was in Philadelphia. Yeah. Two about was it three, like, three years? Oh, probably two, two, two three, three years, years whatever Something it was. Like that. He was like the second best player after Joel Embiid, or second most valuable player after Joel Embiid because of that reason. Yeah. Especially when yeah. you throw in Ben Simmons into that equation, another guy that can't shoot, right? <laughs> like, guys like J.J. Redick become imperative. Taking the Philadelphia 76ers really, they, they got Tobias Harrison, Al Horford over Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick. Now, again, Jimmy Butler apparently didn't like it, and so didn't J.J. Redick. They didn't exactly like being there. Um, there were issues. But the fact of the matter is that the Elton Brand royally screwed up what was a golden opportunity for him to win a championship. Yep. And watch, he wins an executive of the year before Masai Ujiri. I wouldn't be surprised at this point. <sighs> it's a conspiracy at this point. But with that, that concludes this week's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show on all the various podcasting platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and maybe we might be thinking of a potential move to YouTube. Just stay tuned for that one. Uh, video might be coming soon. Um, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at upletter and under podcast. Uh, facebook.com slash up and under podcast uh, if you want to hear updates about you know news like if we're moving to YouTube or not and you know obviously a reaction to you know news in the basketball world as they occur or whenever we post up a new episode so definitely check that out and follow us there if you haven't done so already also check out our website up and under podcast.com uh, it's our central hub for the show if you guys want to also read blog posts about every single episode you can find that there and lastly uh, congrats to the 2020 NBA champs once again the Lakers and we're now looking forward into the 2020 offseason. And it's weird because we're in October and we're talking about the offseason. Yeah, that's just weird, man. COVID, COVID's weird, man. But with that, that, that concludes this week's episode. We'll see you guys on the next one. Take it easy. Easy.